I'm Leslie Torres. And I'm Bronna Marks. And together we co-host West Coast Mix and Bounce. For all things West Coast NBA. That's right. We cover the Lakers, Clippers, Warriors, and yes, the Kings and the Suns. When there's something good to talk about. We have a new and fun episode every two weeks where we break down the craziest headlines in the NBA that pertain to the West Coast teams. We are such a niche podcast that you won't find anywhere else. I mean, two girls with experience in the field talking West Coast basketball. Um, yeah, you want to listen. This is West Coast Mix and Bounce brought to you by LAFB Network. Welcome back to West Coast Mix and Bounce. I'm Leslie with Bronda Marks, and today we have a full episode ready before training camp, which starts December 1st. So hopefully we get everything in that's been happening in these past two weeks, which have been crazy. We're going to go over the NBA draft and a little bit about um, what the West Pacific teams kind of picked, who they chose. Then we're going to talk about trades and free agency within those same teams, so definitely Lakers, definitely Clippers, Warriors, and the Suns, since they did ma- the majority of the moves. Um, but let's head back to NBA draft, and um, the number one pick was made by the Timberwolves, and they chose Anthony Edwards, and then the number two pick was by the Warriors, and they chose James Wiseman. Brana, what do you think about this pick for the Warriors? Honestly, after the season that they've had, this was probably the hugest win that they could have as far as the draft goes. Uh, You know, Wiseman was predicted to go uh, first in the draft, at least top three. And I think the Warriors can really use him. He came out of, he's a 7-1, he's 7-1 center, so he's a big dude. Um, of course, they are loaded with guards. We'll we'll get to the the sadness of Clay, but um, as now that they have that big man in the center, um, I think that they'll be able to have uh, a little more foundation just as far as moving the ball around. If, as long as they use him at Memphis, he was one and done. Scored nineteen points per game. Uh, shot seventy six percent from field goal range. Mm-hmm. Averaged rebounds, blocks, and he played uh, almost twenty three minutes a game. So his his season was definitely a little short at Memphis because of some violations and et cetera. But he was that did not stop him from getting his accolades. He was nominated for the Wooden Award, Naismith, Kareem. I mean, you you name it, and he was on there. So uh, I think the Warriors had a smart pick because the Timberwolves surprisingly didn't pick him first. <laughs> I know the Warriors were like their front office, their team. Clay, I mean, um, Steph has already said that he'd be a good fit, you know, so I feel like it was a good pick. Um, I agree. They definitely kind of needed somebody in that center position but somebody that also plays how the Warriors like to play in that fast like you know fast pace that they might be a center but they also might be like a power forward and just depending on how the play goes he can change it around and I do believe that Wiseman can be that player for them that is kind of explosive on both ends of the floor so I kind of do see him like fitting in with the Warriors and I do think it was a great pick for them I was shocked that the Timberwolves didn't get him and Mm -hmm. it's just like he is, you have the number one pick. You might as well go with the best player. And if it's not meant for your team, you can always trade or use them 
or you know use the player but i mean the timberwolves like you mentioned they have their own history so (laughs) i think Mm -hmm. it was a solid pick for the warriors and then after that the third pick went to the hornets which of course was Lamelo ball which we kind of knew they were going to be somewhere between top five, top three for sure. So that's another funny one. And then the other team on our Pacific division are the Suns. And they finished off with the 10th pick, which was um, Jalen Smith. And it was one of the biggest surprises of the draft. Were you surprised? I was. <laughs> How about you? Honestly, the Suns are, I feel like they're known for picking people who are not completely, um, I don't know, appreciated, I guess. That's true. Uh, As a high draft number, they did the same thing last year. And they're known for, you know, taking these low-grade players, low-key, not really known, don't get, like, you know, um, huge stats or something like that. And it was also weird, you know, I've been reading up on him that he's basically expected to be a backup for DeAndre Ayton, Mm -hmm. which is, I mean, it's it has its pros and its cons. Uh, If if they really want to mesh him into the lineup, there may be a little competition between that um, between that position. But he is a big man with a three shot, and I feel like that Mm -hmm. differentiates him. From Aiton, he shot 36% from the arc um, during his season in college, and he averaged 2.4 blocks per game. So he's known as a big 3 and D player. So I think that's going to set him apart from all of that uh, hustle and bustle and rumors about him competing with Aiton for that that, uh, power forward center position. Um, because obviously the Suns focused on their big move for Chris Paul. Yep. And maybe in the end of the day, they're thinking that that veteran rookie mashup will uh, escalate their game of play. So I think we need to see how it plays out. It's definitely awkward, though. I think it was a little awkward. Yeah, I agree. I mean, now we're like in hindsight, now that you've seen like all the moves that the Suns made, it kind of makes sense that they would go with Jalen Smith. But I was... as as you were, I was reading around, they were saying that he would not fit well with DeAndre Aiden. And it doesn't mean that Jalen Smith is not a great player. He just might not be the best player for the Suns at the moment. But you right. never really know because there's not, I mean, they kind of surprised us in the bubble. They went at it. Um, mm-hmm. I'm not, I wouldn't be shocked if something surprising happens and we have a player like Jalen Smith like come up and be that game changer for the Suns and just mesh so perfectly well with Aiden. I feel like most of us just want them to have a competition or we just want them to kind of, that's the same position. They have to collide. Like they really don't, they can work together and they could be like, like you mentioned, like one, two punch here, one, two punch there. And then what are you going to do to stop them? So, I mean, he's versatile. He can shoot in the paint. He can go beyond the arc and he might need to work on his defense, but I mean, which player can't get better at defense? (laughs) So, I mean, I think, it was a little bit weird, but now seeing it played out, I mean, it it might just work. We'll have to wait, like you said, and see how it plays out. So I agree with that. But besides that, I think the draft was kind of fun to virtually watch. What did you think about the virtual part about it? Um, I mean, they did the best they could. I feel like... <laughs> 
even during a regular draft, there are moments where, you know, they catch players in their living rooms with their families Mm -hmm. uh, that couldn't make it to the draft or weren't invited. Uh, But I, I think they did a good job with what they had. And I was honestly very surprised at the emotions this year from the players themselves mm-hmm. and their families. I was like, oh my gosh, I'm, I'm going to cry in every pick because everybody just keeps crying. Yeah. <laughs> so I think for everybody, it's been a super, super emotional year, obviously with COVID and people's seasons getting cut short yeah. and everything else, you know, social injustices in the world. And I, I feel like, Honestly, if I was a player and I finally made it to the NBA draft, you know, three months later than I thought I was going to, and then I get picked within, I don't, I mean, I don't know. They all cried. Even the second round picks cried. Just getting picked. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. They were just glad to hear their names after all that happened because a lot of players didn't get the time and I'm sure they went back in their head or I should have done this or I could have done that during whatever three weeks they had in a season, you know, or a preseason or or whatever, what have you. Uh, So I felt the emotion deeply for sure. And I I think the draft overall, the way they put it on, uh, what was good, was as good as it gets. (laughs) Yeah. And to add to your point, I think that them being at home kind of allows them to be a little bit more vulnerable. So you probably won't cry with all the other, you know, like top 50 draft picks, but you will cry at home with your family. So I thought that was cute too. Like it kind of showed you how much work these guys put into being chosen and to being sought after and seen and play hard. So for them to get their moment, it kind of, it was nice to watch. It's the kind of a nice moment due to everything that's going on around the world as well. So yeah, I wasn't. I thought I was gonna hate it being virtually, but it was not that bad. I mean, but anyways, <laughs> Twitter kind of mm-hmm. ruined everything because they already had the draft picks before it was actually announced on TV. But that's a whole different right. story. <laughs> <laughs> but it was still nice to watch and have um, Malika. She great interviews after and great questions after. Kind of oh, love loved like that she was digging deep, asking the questions that you kind of really did want to hear. So I felt like that yeah. experience was worth watching even if Twitter broke the news before. So I, yeah. I liked it. Definitely. And and definitely to touch on, you know, the, the Suns and the Warriors had like those those big impactful picks. But I mean the Kings and the Clippers and the Lakers shook it up a little bit. Uh, you know, during the draft, the Kings picked up three people. Um, mm-hmm. You know, Iowa State's Tyrese Hallenburton uh, definitely was projected top 10, went number 12. Uh, they think he's going to be a good pick to De'Aaron Fox. Um, he averaged he 42% field goal range. And even the other guys that they picked, Robert Woodward and mm-hmm. Jamias, Ramsey had to look up how that was pronounced. <laughs> uh, even in his freshman year with Texas Tech, he put up some some really solid numbers. Uh, and uh, all of them, all of their picks for the Kings averaged at least over 40% field goal range of three-pointers and over 60% field, um, free throws. So I think the Kings, they, they were a little slept on during the draft mm-hmm. uh, as far as grades and admiration. But I feel like there may be something to look for just a little bit, just yeah. a little bit next year. <laughs> I mean, I wasn't too excited. They were not really in my notes, but mm-hmm. but they, they have made some moves and they're definitely working around De'Aaron Fox and trying to give him something 
something solid around him. So if that can work, it could be just the bounce it needed. The Kings have not been that great for the past few years. And yeah. and it goes back to management as well. So even how you pick and how you draft affects the team. So um, I just I feel for me, for the Kings, I have to wait and see how it goes. Because it all sounds good on paper. And then once it comes to fruition... Fritish- once it comes to life, it does not the same. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. That um, word. And I, I mean, the, Clipper, the Clippers and the Lakers having to, you know, trade in and move around. They picked up some some low-name guys. Mm-hmm. Uh, but maybe something to watch out for. Definitely, as you said, coming up next year. I think the Kings... Definitely, definitely the sleeper of the draft. If I had to name anybody, it would be the the Kings. Well, then, the sleeper of the draft. Well, then you heard it here first. If the Kings come back and do something amazing, Bronna Mark right. said it first. I said it. <laughs> <laughs> but then there were also other moves, like with trades and free agency between like the whole Pacific Division that we have to get into. Because I feel like oh, so much happened that it's. I need to do like a little flow chart just to see where everybody's at right now. <laughs> Is oh, there a specific let me, team? Let me take a sip of water first. Right? Get ready. <laughs> get I'm ready. I'm ready. Let's go. Should we start with the Lakers? <laughs> sure. Why All right. not? The the 2020 champions um, of the of this crazy year, the Lakers. <laughs> yeah. So they started off um, trading Danny Green to OKC. And their 28th pick in this year's draft. So whoever they chose is going to go to a KC in exchange for Dennis Schroeder. I think it was a good trade. I mean, we kind of, Green didn't play to expectation, at least in the playoffs. So, I mean, it doesn't discredit him. He was still a great player. He still came through for the Raptors. He still came through with the Spurs. He's a three-time NBA champ. So no offense to Danny Green. But I think this is the move that the Lakers needed to make. Because they needed players that could create shots without LeBron and AD on the floor. And not players like Danny who just wait at the three-point line waiting for someone to set them up. And so even though I like Danny Green, I think this was a solid trade for them. What do you think? Yeah, definitely the biggest uh, pickup this free agency slash trade season for them. I didn't see it coming. Definitely a shocker. Mm-hmm. He's an elite He's an elite point guard. He was on OKC, kind of played backup for Chris Paul, but he shined. He averaged 18.9 points per game and four assists Mm -hmm. throughout such a hectic season, like I said. And with the Lakers losing most of their guards, (laughs) including Green, Rondo, uh, they weighed Cook. So I think Dennis Schroeder is going to have to fill a really large hole if the Lakers don't add uh, another strict guard. And this is the same issue that they had last year. Mm -hmm. In the beginning of the year, they didn't have this defined point guard. Uh, Avery Bradley got hurt, but he did re-sign. So that's good for the Lakers because now they have those two solid uh, veteran players as as a point guard because we've seen the Lakers without a solid point guard it's not pretty. <laughs> yeah, I think um Dennis Schroeder is going to have to pick up a lot of the slack and imagine the amount of pressure on him to know that you're kind of like the first one in and everybody else has been out um because I think Avery Bradley left. I think he went to the Heat if I'm correct. 
So they don't even have him anymore. <laughs> so oh, they do. Okay, I, I didn't think know he, that wrong. My bad. <laughs> it's okay, but I think yeah. he did leave because I was. I really wanted Avery Bradley to come back, but um, you know the way negotiations go can happen. But imagine like the amount of pressure on yourself to be that kind of be like, all right, we traded for you now. You you better like come through for us. And I think he will. He's um this the second place um six man of the year award he finds his own basket and opens the floor for everybody else and his um and he just has a way of doing it with such like grittiness and that is something that lebron james has always liked about him as a player so it shouldn't be Mm -hmm. shocked it shouldn't be shocking that once lebron james finds you as a great player you're gonna end up being traded to that team eventually and because i mean it's happened before so i mean i feel like lebron knows that he can kind of count on him it's just up to us to wait and see if he comes through and if how you mentioned the lakers can give him a backup and not just have them like playing it on by themselves yeah so yeah so bradley did sign with the heat and he missed those games when he was hurt and then he didn't come to the bubble because of family concerns so that's probably why the lakers are like okay you can go yeah um so yeah that yeah that's tough but what they did do was um they re-signed Contavious Caldwell Pope. So they have him for a three-year deal. So that's who they did keep as far as a guard. Um, And they focused heavily, heavily, heavily on their centers and and forwards. So Mm -hmm. how do you feel about that? I mean... I feel like, so they, for their center and forwards, they signed Marcus Saul, right? He's a veteran player. He, um, he knows what he's doing. And, but they did let go of Dwight Howard, who was kind of like the big surprise of last season, how well he played, how he played on a non-guaranteed contract. So, I mean, to go from Dwight Howard and have him let go, and then to have Marcus Gasol, it's kind of like, they're kind of trying to find space for them. Or at least for mm-hmm. um, that center position. But I'm not sure if Dwight Howard was the first choice or if Marc Gasol was the first choice for them. I think it was Gasol. And maybe it's because he had maybe a little bit of more speed on both sides of the court. Because he's solid on defense and he adds spacing on offense. Because you really don't know if he's going to go... Um, if he's going to shoot from the paint or if he's going to back up a little bit and go into the perimeter area. Unlike with Dwight... You kind of basically knew he was going to be like dunking and that's about right. it because he's that's his area right there. So maybe that's kind of a little bit more versatile for the Lakers. And who else did they sign? They re-signed Markeith Morris. Mm-hmm. And then uh, Montrezl Harold. what is he considered? A power forward? Yeah, I believe so. Yeah, well, they, they signed Montrezl Harold, which for me was kind of shocking. He's... Obviously, yeah. he was across across this, across town <laughs> with yeah. the Clippers, so they're giving um, the Lakers much needed bench depth, and then um, especially for when LeBron and AD sits down. So I think the Lakers kind of went hard on that position because they want players who can just move out of the paint area and maybe like trick the opponents into thinking oh we're not just gonna be in the paint we're gonna shoot perimeter we're gonna open up the floor and if you didn't think you had to defend us now you're gonna have to if you don't want to like if you don't want to get um beat so i mean they do need more guard help yeah they're like that big man team i feel like off yeah. of uh 
what is it, Space Jam, where it's like all gigantic right. men. <laughs> like you can't get through <laughs> here. like a few short guys. Uh, now that I look back in my notes, they also signed um, a veteran, 11, 11-year vet, uh, Wes- Wesley Matthews yes. from the Bucks. He shot 38% from three-point range last year. Uh, definitely more of a low-key guard, but I guess that does add some a little bit of depth for Dennis Schrouder as far as a, a stringent guard position mm-hmm. um but like you said they definitely did focus largely on the larger men mark gasol i mean he was congratulated by his former laker brother paul gasol <laughs> for uh coming to la and they traded away the lakers traded away javel mcgee for power forwarded Jordan Bell and Alfonso McKinney. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that adds a little more to their bench players, a little more experience as far as that goes. And then they kept Jared Dudley, so who he was also a power forward. So I think it's going to be like they're like the complete opposite of say the Rockets who have small ball. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Lakers are playing like big large ball. <laughs> yeah. So I think I believe definitely that. They may have maybe some kinks to sort out as far as having such aggressive, powerful, uh, big guys that are going to lead that team. But they they did it during the finals. You know, they were breaking all kinds of records inside the paint. Uh, but we did notice that when they heavily, heavily relied on points in the paint, they slacked from the three-point line, and that put them behind opponents. Yeah. I, I agree. And then we also have to remember, um, they still have Alex Caruso, who technically is a guard as well. So maybe they're seeing something in the players they have now that makes them think like, we don't really need to fill in that position as much or fill it up as heavily. Maybe because they think that's enough. We'll see if that kind of bites them in the ass later or not. Because, right. um, yeah, I'm going down the roster and it's just looking like huge. <laughs> Yeah, power forward, center, power yeah. forward, power forward. <laughs> like, it's like, where? No, I'm just kidding. Yeah, but, um, I mean, and who else? Oh, yeah. And some small forwards. They have some small yeah, forwards. Yeah, unless they, like, really out. think they can develop the talent, that's what must be going through their mind. We'll see if I mean, it pays off. The, and the season is literally around the corner. So they have a very short period of time to mesh their almost brand new team. <laughs> yeah, it really... That's gonna be that's gonna be another component because like on paper and like the way it works, the Lakers did get stronger. They got maybe they got rid of parts they didn't really need, or maybe they took a loss in some areas. But will they be able to like get it together, find that chemistry in time for this mm-hmm. new season? It's in time is such a key here because some teams didn't change anything at all, and they're gonna continue with that chemistry. Other teams, other teams completely changed moved everybody around and will they be ready for like the restart of the season in less than 20 days that's gonna be crazy it's gonna be tough but i'm i'm already predicting for them to win the next next year's championship so hopefully they pull it together and don't embarrass me (laughs) (laughs) smart prediction smart prediction i'm with you on that one because honestly i mean it they do okay they don't have enough guards but they don't they don't suck that team how it's looking on paper does not suck at all so yeah, they still got LeBron James and AD. And exactly. That's all they need at this point, really. So. Exactly. Smart words. Exactly. 
And then um, the Warriors, they are kind of looking like a totally different team as well. Um, Thompson, unfortunately, had an injury, another injury. So he is out indefinitely for the rest of the season, which is very sad because I'm pretty sure we all wanted Curry, Green, and Thompson to come back super healthy and kind of watch them compete against the reigning NBA champions. But now we're not going to get a chance to see that, at least not this season. And it sucks for him because he's such a great player. You'd never want to see players go down like that or get hurt. And mm-hmm. um, But the Warriors try to act as fast as they could. They traded three draft picks to OKC in exchange for Kelly Uber, Uber Jr., who was originally with the Suns but got traded to, the, to OKC for Chris Paul, which is a whole, we'll get into that later. But, yeah. I mean, the, it was a good trade for the Warriors. They found what they needed um, once they found out about Clay's injury. And it kind of makes sense because Oubre and, like, um, Devin Booker have that fast-paced kind of sense of style of running, which the Warriors have, and which obviously it kind of looks like they're heading into because they keep on getting these players who are, like, super fast and who can shoot. So, yeah, um, yeah I mean... They did that. They they got their number two pick, which is also a strong pick. Um, what else did they do? They added Brad Wanamaker from the Boston Celtics, who averages 6.9 points per game, 2.5 assists per game, and 2 rebounds per game. So, I mean, another solid guard for the Warriors. Unlike the Lakers, how you mentioned, these are just stacked up guards, <laughs> one after mm-hmm. the other. And, I mean... I wouldn't be surprised if the Warriors kind of made something out of this team. They they are known for taking, like, quote, like, nobody players and turning them into, like, huge pieces fundamentally for their squad. So I wouldn't be surprised if something came out of this. And then um, I think they also got Kent Bazemore. He originally started as a Warrior and they got traded or something like that. And now he's back for the for Golden State. And so I was doing my research and apparently they're like really good friends, Kent Bazemore and Stephen Curry. So to have them back together seems like oh. a win. Yeah. And then um so chemistry's there. If that's what they're looking for, that's what they have. And then just add Wiggins to that because Wiggins still plays with the Warriors, Draymond Green <laughs> and Ubre Jr. So it's gonna be I mean, it can be pretty exciting if they play with that chemistry in that fast-paced system and if they get it in in time because time is of the essence right now it is of the essence i think that the pickup of uber jr was definitely needed Mm -hmm. especially with clay going down because of course that's their you know three-point man that's their shooter that's the guy that opens up the court who you know slices off of pick and rolls and uh kills people um with his quick feet so Again, definitely hurt by Clay getting hurt. Again, yeah. tearing his ACL and then tearing his Achilles. Those are two really, really hard injuries to come back from. Um, and I really hope that he takes his time with yeah, this. Because true. if we're being honest, he probably wasn't ready to return. I don't think it... It may have been a full year since he hurt himself. I'm not really sure. But I know on average, it takes about a year or a little over a year to fully, fully recover from an ACL injury. And I think he pushed himself probably a little too hard and uh, did not watch out for that for that Achilles in, in recovery. So hopefully Kelly can come in and 
uh, provide them that quick step, like you were saying, and mesh well with guards like Curry. Um, you know, he was on the Suns. He made amazing strides with the Suns playing along Devin Booker. He helped them get to that 8-0 and run in the bubble, mm-hmm. uh, even though they didn't make it to playoffs. <laughs> but he he obviously got noticed, and that's why he ended up with the Warriors. So good for him. Claps up for him. Um, and I think the Warriors did what they could with what they had. Yeah. They didn't really have much to begin with, yeah. <laughs> considering that all their – all their top guys were either out heard and then they picked up a whole bunch of young, uh, young, young players in the last year to kind of just fill spots. <laughs> uh, but like you said, the, the chemistry with Kent Bazemore, he's a little bit of a vet. He kind of got lost in the sauce and the NBA and now he's back. And uh, the guard, Brad Wanamaker, <laughs> um, coming from the Celtics, he was a key bench player for them. So that's a really good experience to have playing with with a, a fast-paced team like the Celtics and then to go to the Warriors and continue with that similar uh, ideal and, and functionality as a team. So I think the Warriors are definitely in the conversation for playoffs. I think without Clay, it's definitely a big punch to them, kind of mm-hmm. in the gut, and they're going to have to, uh, I don't know, they're gonna, some other players are going to have to step up. Correct. Yeah, I agree. I mean, it's not going to be the easy road that they're so that they've been used to having, but that doesn't mm-hmm. mean they're like out like they're not even in talk. They're still the Warriors. They still have Curry and Draymond Green and Wiggins. So I'm not going to cancel them out just yet, but mm-hmm. it could have been way worse. I think they kind of recovered from um, what happened with Clay that happened unexpectedly unexpectedly i think they recovered nicely and it's the best that they can do at this moment so i mean mean, it sucks for thompson like sucks so bad but (sighs) it is what it is but then we have the suns who was also moving things around and they look like a completely different team. So they traded Kelly Oubre Jr., who we we're just talking about. They traded Ricky Rubio, Ty Jerome, Jalen Leck. I don't know his Leckwe. I'm gonna have to find him and have him say okay. it for me. <laughs> and then one first round draft pick to OKC in exchange for Chris Paul and Abdel Nadal. So I was shocked when I saw the tweet and it came out, but I guess it's like official, official. Chris Paul is going to the Suns. And then that made me think of a Devin Booker-Chris Paul duo. And it's kind of scary because then you add up everybody else who they picked up. And it's looking like this could work. It just might work. Did you think it was Mm -hmm. too much for Chris Paul? Or was it just enough? No, I think that was exactly what they needed at said it before with other teams they they each team always needs that like one star player you know that one pinnacle player that they kind of uh form themselves around and get their motivation from mm-hmm. and chris paul's a leader he's a vet player he's an all-star he's well respected around the league uh and he has experience he doesn't have a ring i don't believe no right? he does not no he doesn't have a ring but he's definitely, I mean, he's a championship uh, style player. He's, he's gritty. He's tough. 
Uh, he stays healthy for the most part. That's I don't true. honestly. I'm really sad that he doesn't have a ring yet. But if if he could get with the, a ring with the Suns, I mean that would be a asterisk in the history of NBA <laughs> altogether. Yeah, that would be uh, huge. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think that they did a good job filling in spots that would go around him. And of course, Devin Booker, who's already an amazing player. And as long as those two mesh, they're going to be a solid guard, you know, combination. Mm -hmm. That's going to be their big two men. So the, the sons, you know, they, they agreed to a deal with uh, Damian Jones who came, who spent a few seasons with the Warriors, spent a few seasons with the Hawks really competitive player. They re-signed, or no, they gained Dario Saric, a Mm -hmm. three-year deal, um, another big guy. So they filled in those spots around them to kind of fill out their starting lineup or even their bench. And it it sucks to definitely see players like Aubrey and Ricky Rubio and Ty Jerome go because those are – key players for them as well but I mean it's it's Chris Paul you know? yeah exactly. <laughs> yeah I mean I I saw like the tweets everybody was like oh it's too much like he's old this is not worth it but like you mentioned it's Chris Paul he's like the point guard at least from the last like five or ten years he might have lost himself a little bit like after the whole Clippers run and him being mm. and him like going around. I think after that was kind of maybe like his lowest point in his career. But with OKC, they managed to play him and play him so that his skills would highlight. And then once again, we were like witnesses to his amazing point guard skills. And now imagine mixing that in with Devin Booker, who's like just shoots from anywhere and everywhere. That's gonna be kind of that's going to be scary. That's going to look really, really good for Chris Paul and Devin Booker. But, I mean, it's Chris Paul, I think he comes with his old contract, which is only two years. So, mm-hmm. if it doesn't work out, you've got two years. Or you can trade him once more. But if it doesn't work out, you have two years to look for a new point guard that fits with Devin Booker. But, like you mentioned, Chris Paul has that grittiness. He has, like, that want to win. And you combine it with that want from Devin Booker and you're going to get wins. It's just going to happen because they're both not going to be giving up, especially when the game comes down to the line. And if they can trust each other, they're going to make game winning basket game after game. And then you mentioned all the new signs that they have. They also signed Jay Crowder, who I think is coming off um, a run with the heat. So that's pretty huge. And then you add Aiden, you add... um, the new guy that they just drafted and it can, it can work. It can mm-hmm. work that the whole, we come back to like the whole thing is that they just need time, but I'm pretty sure. Sh- did you like, I think he was um, traded and then like a day later he was already in the, in the gym with Devin Booker. So, I mean, these guys are ready. They're committed. And I, I can't wait to see how it kind of looks on the floor, which is going to be amazing. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, no, I'm excited to see, for once, for once I'm, like, actually excited to see the Suns play, Mm -hmm. just because, I mean, I was excited last year because they, they 
you know, stirred up so much fire within the league. Yeah. They were getting so much recognition for their younger players and, and their grit and their winning streaks and their taking down of big teams. Uh, so, and like you said, the, the addition of forward uh, Jay Crowder is, you know, that's not a, that's not a little addition. That's, Mm-mm, that's a huge, solid experienced yeah. player, uh, very aggressive and knows how to get points. So yeah, I think they have, a good amount of pieces to be a very scary team next year. Yeah. Or this is. year. <laughs> I mean, like, imagine that. We have the Lakers Warriors, then we have the Suns, and then we have the Kings who kind of made some moves, and then we have the Clippers who kind of, I think the Clippers got lost in this whole process. Oh, they yeah. didn't, as I know for now, I don't think they've made any trades. Mm-mm. Um, I saw that they were maybe thinking about trading Lou Williams, but, I mean, why would they want to do that when they've kind of lost important pieces? And, but, I mean, okay, rewind, go back. Mm-hmm. They lost pieces, but they gained a surge Ibaka, so that's that's another huge thing for the Clippers. I mean, it's yeah. not so much movement like the teams we just talked about before, but having Ibaka and Kawhi reunited... It's kind of like that dream team kind of vibe where you think like, oh, Kawhi is definitely going to thrive with his best player friend on the squad. <laughs> so mm-hmm. um, we all know what Ibaka can bring to the table. We know that what Kawhi can bring. And then together they have that chemistry. So I think this was a solid pickup for LA. But I think it was just because Kawhi was on the team that that was the only reason he came which is, yeah. I mean, that's a reason enough. But will it be enough for them to give them that extra push and not be, um, and not be um, kicked out of the playoffs like last year, or not give yeah. up such a horrible <laughs> run? Will that be enough? I it just still makes still makes me laugh <laughs> every time. <laughs> I mean, will it be enough not to give up a three-one lead? I don't know. I don't. I don't know. know. I don't. I I think that. Obviously, they they put their most of their money, most of their efforts in getting Serge. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's undeniable that Kawhi and Serge have a a chemistry. They have a respect for each other. They won the championship in Toronto together, uh, and they were their two you know biggest players. And I think that kind of guard center matchup is it can be lethal as long as the other pieces around them know how that works. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't think the Clippers. Everybody else on the Clippers is going to have to adjust to them because I really don't think it's going to be the whole Kawhi and Paul George. Like yeah. Paul George, we have, we I think we've all learned that Paul George is not the elite player that maybe everybody hyped him up to to be. I think he has a lot of not only personal issues but maybe core values as far as work ethic go. Uh, to really become, I think he has plenty of potential to become a a a top tier player. But right now, I think he kind of dropped himself to third after all that drama and you know his points where he was either scoring no points or he's scoring twenty seven points. <laughs> like it's just yeah. there's no in between for him, and that's not a balance that I don't think the Clippers front office expected i don't think that's what a lot of people expected so they're trying to save themselves with pairing Kwai back up with with surge and not only that but they they i mean they did so much movement with between the draft 
and not really much free agency. I think they did most of their movement within the draft, mm-hmm. sort of in a quiety way. You know, they they traded uh, Shamit for Luke Kennard from the Pistons. Um, definitely more of a quiet, quieter name to hear mm-hmm. about, but he did put up points in Detroit. Average 15 points per game, shooting 44%. From free throw, um, definitely a three-point shooter, almost 40% uh, in his last season. They came up with a number five, number 55 pick from somebody they traded for Jay Scrub, and he's a Juco player. So I think that may be somebody that they want to kind of sculpt. Um, mm. But even within his, his short season, he averaged 21 points per game. Um, and they got Daniel Aturo from the Knicks, uh, the number 33 pick, and he averaged about 20 points per game, 11 rebounds, two and a half blocks, um, his sophomore season, his college season, uh, and 36% from three-point range. So they have some people with with some stats that, you know, hold them up uh, as far as probably bench and backup players. And I think that just, one, they're going to have to reevaluate just everything, like just <laughs> everything. Yeah. <laughs> um, and... Did they find a coach yet, or did I forget about that? <laughs> oh, they found a coach. I think it's Tyrone Lue. Okay, yeah. So, yeah. So, now they have Tyrone Lue, who's an amazing coach. You know, he coached LeBron James mm-hmm. um, to a championship. And, yeah, I I don't think they're non-contenders. I think they're s- definitely still contenders as far as a championship goes. Mm-hmm. But are are they tankers still? That's that's the issue. <laughs> yeah, I mean, because they also lost Montrezl Harold, which was, I think, a big loss for them because mm-hmm. Lou Williams and Harold had that amazing connection off the bench. And they were probably most of the reason why the Clippers did so well. Because if there was a night that Kawhi or Paul George didn't step up, they were there for them. They were kind of like their backup, and they backed up so well. So having Her- losing Harold, I think, is huge. And then, um, like, I'm pretty sure, like you mentioned, they're still contenders. I'm, I'm pretty sure they're still going to be in the playoffs. But will it be enough, given all the moves that the Lakers have made, all the moves that the Suns have made, all the moves that the Warriors have made? It's getting, mm-hmm. it's getting pretty deep. It's getting really intense. Will it be enough? Uh, I don't know. And especially like you mentioned as well, now they have a new coach. So it's going to be a whole new system. And will they be ready in time for um, this new season? We haven't really heard much of them. Like their chemistry can still be in problems. We don't know how Kawhi is feeling about the new coach. If he had any say in it or if he, or what's happening behind the scenes. But I feel like they should have done maybe a little bit more. A little bit more. Because right now it's just not looking great. But they are the Clippers. They are known to kind of make like these gritty teams. And that come back and surprise us. So maybe they got got it wrong the first time. This might be the second time around. And they might have it together. So I mean I just can't wait for the season to start. Just so I can be like oh I knew that was not going to work. Or I can be like oh I'm surprised. Yeah, honestly, I'm just excited that we got basketball like middle of the year, and now we're about to get it back again. <laughs> right? It's like I just uh, I just blinked, and now we basketball's back. <laughs> look at that! It's amazing. So yeah, and um, last but not least, did we talk about the Kings? We did not, but no. go ahead, let yeah. you take it. 
So the kings, you know, so the sleepy little kings. <laughs> um, but they they got their their guard back. Uh, Darian Darian Fox signed five years, hundred sixty three million dollar extension. Definitely dropped some some pennies, some pretty pennies for him. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's their center player. So honestly, I feel like that was a really good investment. Um, Javon Carter decided to return another special guard for them. They did lose uh, Bajdanovic, um, uh-huh. and there was apparently a little scandal going on with the trade that was yeah. supposed to happen with him. But I, I believe he ended up with the Hawks after all everything was said and done. Mm-hmm. Um, and then who else? Frank Kaminsky decided to come back. And the biggest signage they had, I believe, out of this whole thing was uh, Hassan Whiteside. From he came from the Heat, right? No, he was on the Heat. Then he was on the Trailblazers. So that has he spent the last season with the Trailblazers. So I feel like that's definitely a little bit of a veteran player they could add to their very very young, um, spunky team. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I agree. I mean, I think it was kind of sad. Not sad. I think it was a a bad. <laughs> a bad move that they lost Bogdan Bogdanovich because he was really great. And the only thing I always remember about him as a player was when he shot a a buzzer beater on the Lakers. So from there on, (laughs) he's such a great player to me. (laughs) And so I kind of, it's kind of sucks that they lost him, but they've kind of, like you said, they know where their focus is and it's on De'Aaron Fox and kind of building around him. And I think they recently signed, um, or reportedly Glenn Robinson III is going to sign with them as well. So he's going to be definitely competing for a spot. Yeah, he's coming from the 76ers. So, I mean, the Kings, like you mentioned, they're making moves. Most of us, including myself, I'm not taking notice. Because I just feel Mm. like if we, I personally, I feel like if I take notice, then they're just going to kind of play to my expectations, which was not even a high to begin with. So I'm not going to notice them until they surprise me. (laughs) That's my cue for, (laughs) for Sacramento. But I mean, it could be it could be a really good season for them. It could be the shift that they need to kind of start something for um, seasons to come. Yeah, definitely, definitely some hope. I think overall, the West Coast division that we chat about is going to be pretty dominant. I mean, as they always are, the East kind of lags behind them as far as talent goes. Mm-hmm. It's just the trend that happens. But this year, it seems like they made some of the biggest moves and shakeups and additions and also, you know, some losses. But I feel like they're going to recover really well and they're going to dominate. We're going to have a ton to talk about. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I'm honestly like, I'm excited. This looks like it's going to be a great season for the Western Division. And especially our Pacific Division is going to be even better. And, I mean, I'm excited. I can't wait. If if they're all getting the playoffs somehow, just imagine that. Crazy. Imagine that. Yeah, <laughs> seriously, though. I mean, I, I, honestly, looking at, at everything on paper right now, they all have a chance. They yeah. all have a chance to get into playoffs. So, yeah, like you said, we're going to have to wait and see. It could happen. It could happen. <laughs> it can Alrighty. Well, thank you guys for tuning into a yet another episode of West Coast Mix Abounds. Again, I'm Bronna Marks here with Leslie Torres.
And we will catch you next time because the season is about to start and we're ready. It is. Thank you for listening. All right. Bye, guys. Bye.